Hi, and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back for another installment of the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. Really excited to have a dear friend here with me today, coming in from San Diego, Rachel Eden. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing today? Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, this is really an excuse for us having a half an hour to talk. <laughs> feels indulgent that I get to chat with you for 30 minutes uninterrupted. I know we've been trying to connect for a really long time and we're both busy women, like all the Jewish women out there that I know. Everyone's really busy. It's hard to find time. So this is a really great win-win. I get to catch up and hear what's going on in your life. And I also get to share you with my community of women. I'm so grateful that I get to connect with you and anyone who follows you, I know must be special. So I'm excited Aww. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm just going to introduce you with Rachel's been involved with guiding and coaching women and men for many years now. She helps people self-actualize to live their most powerful lives, both personally and professionally. Rachel's clients enjoy miraculous transformation, including finding love, elevating relationships and wellness and scaling profits and impact. Her philosophy is that each person is capable of creating his or her her life exactly as they want. Oh, I'm so excited to dive right in. Just to introduce a little more. So Rachel and I met a couple years back. We were both working at a women's retreat together. Ever since then, I've been kind of basking in her very radiant light, seeing what she does, following her work. But I don't think I really got to know you until yeah. that women's retreat. I brought Rachel as one of the coaches to Portland. And I think that was kind of like a turning point for many of us, for you, for me, and for many of the participants in so many ways. It was kind of like the birth place for growth and for innovation and reinventing ourselves. And there was a lot that came out and it wasn't exactly an easy time in your life or in my life. And for many of the women there, there was a lot of pain, but it was transformational in that it really got conversations started and we were able to support each other and sit in the discomfort in a way. And that was really the launch pad, <laughs> I would yeah. say, for what was next to come. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. I mean, you're so real and raw. That's what I love about you. Tell yeah. us about your experience and the journey that you've been on. I remember exactly when the retreat was because it's like literally the BCE kind of ACE moment in my life where it was four years ago, I believe was the month of November. I had been on this trajectory, this path. I had been a nonprofit. I had been in cure of outreach. I was so excited to inspire people to live their best lives. Like that was what I was all about. I did speaking gigs. I traveled. I did programming. But like a few months prior to that in the summer, this was like one of the pivotal moments for me. I had not only created a program where I educate people about Shavuot, but I also did the marketing, did the flyer, enrolled the people to come, made sure I had the venue, did the cooking for the event and showed up as the speaker. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. I was trying so hard to go on this path and I wanted it so badly. And it was like, I really have compassion on this past version of myself because I was so earnest. I wanted to help people, but it was coming from a place of insecurity that I needed to be something. I needed to be someone else. Mm -hmm. And I exhausted myself. And on this retreat, it was the best and worst time of my life because 
I felt like I was in the room with some really special people, the types of women I wanted to be associated with. I had a seat at the table with really wonderful women who I looked at actually recently in the last year, made a list of how I saw these women of like charismatic, had a following, always looked so beautiful and sounded so great. I thought I had to be that. And what unraveled following was like, I thought maybe it was a midlife crisis. I didn't know what was happening to me. I reached out for help to a lot of mentors. No one seemed to get it. It was a journey I had to walk through alone, but what was happening was it was the process of me understanding that I'm not here to be somebody else. I'm not here to work for these insecurities. I'm here to come from a place of love to accept who I'm supposed to be. And this path has taken me on years of tremendous pain, total fragmentation of who I was. I'd spent a long time for months afterwards in massive fragmentation, self-deception. I robbed my husband of the opportunity to even know what was going on with me because I wanted to keep my marriage so pristine because God forbid marriage should, you know, have any kind of blemish. Everything has to be perfect when you're a leader and you're in a community and you are watched, right? Till the point I was internally imploding and my husband turned to me one day and he was like, I just don't recognize you. And that was it. I started crying and I didn't stop crying for months. You couldn't hold it up anymore. And by the way, two episodes ago, I did a solo episode on authenticity. So everything you're seeing, I'm nodding my head. I'm like, sing it, girl like you are preaching to the choir. I know how heavy that facade is to hold up. It doesn't do anyone a service, not yourself, not the people that you care about, not the change that you want to bring to the world. Nobody. Everyone is being robbed of something real and true. So thank you for living your truth and speaking your truth because it really gives permission to other people to do the same. Yeah. And you know, what the irony is that we think we're attaching ourselves. We're doing the list of shoulds and being the person that like my husband wants me to be right. I'm being the perfect wife and role model, but I was robbing him of the chance to see me in my mess, which actually created more intimacy in my marriage. So like I actually robbed the marriage of attachment and closeness. It's like this big irony that we think by sacrificing authenticity for attachment, we get it, but we get neither. I'm yeah, going to jump in because the first thing we wanted to talk about today was the spiritual work of self-love. And I'll tell you, I mean, I might've mentioned this on a podcast, but I teach a class once a week and it's on character building and Musar rebuke and stuff like that. It's, it's so fabulous. And I learn more from the women that come than I'm teaching. Like I just learned so much from the people that show up because they are evolving right in front of my eyes. They are putting in so much work. So the first class that we did was about the mitzvah to love your fellow as you love yourself. And this one brave lady, she raised her hand and she said, but what if you don't love yourself? And it really starts from there. There's so many different ways we could describe this word of love. It also means to know. When it speaks in the Torah about man loving his wife, it says vaida, And he knew, he knew her intimately. And then, then it goes on dot, dot, dot. And then they bore a child, right? That intimate act of knowing someone is so powerful because we cannot create emotional intimacy without truly knowing who a person is. And that takes letting down certain guards and veils and protective gear that we put in. I mean, like looking back, I got married really young and every day that I met my husband before our wedding, I was all dolled up. Hair was straightened, full face of makeup. I was always so put together. And I remember the first couple of weeks after getting married, like I almost wanted to run to the bathroom and like freshen up before he saw me without lipstick on or, you know, with my teeth unbrushed. We were newly married and we hardly knew each other. So it did take time to say, this is me <laughs> and to be okay with it and to actually really truly 
truly love that person that's in front of you. So tell us a little bit more about your spiritual journey to self-love and acceptance. The reason I think that self-love is the highest form of spirituality that we can attain today is because I think there's a natural draw to loving the people around us, the relationships in our lives. We love our kids. We love our parents. We love our friends. I mean, if everything's healthy, we love our partners. We love our neighbor. When everything is good, I think that we are on fertile ground to love each other. Um, and, and as a culture, we are. And because I did so many years of outreach where I supported people on like a more spiritual path to connecting with God, and I myself went on that path of like creating a relationship with God, I saw it was also really natural having this relationship with God. But what I woke up to several years ago was you can have a great relationship with God. You can have a great relationship with people in your life and you can have zero relationship with yourself and not know yourself and not hear your inner voice and not trust yourself and not care about anything but being the roles that you are as opposed to being who you are. And so this process of like listening in on my inner voice of what it is that it's actually saying to me and accepting it fully, being okay with who I am instead of comparing myself to the other people in the room. You know, when I described at the retreat where I was with all these women, I had massive moments of inadequacy during that time. Just like, I will not fail to measure up to these people. I have nothing to offer the world compared to these people. Terrible moments of inadequacy. One of the women who wasn't at the retreat, but she would have definitely be considered someone in my eyes who I wanted to be like, I just saw her after five years this past weekend, she came to speak in my community. And what I realized was she's still wonderful and she's still great. I don't want to be her anymore. That's amazing. It's because I've accepted where I'm at and who I am. And that relationship with self is huge. It's just really, really critical. Something that I've noticed in my travels and in my comings and goings with other leaders and Robertsons is that when you're in a room with other powerful people, when you really get down to it and you start talking, everyone is feeling inadequate. Everyone is feeling like a fraud. Everyone is feeling like, what am I doing here? How did I get here? We're all feeling the same thing. In fact, one of my women's groups, I'm a part of this organization called CORE. And we get together from time to time in circles of ladies. And these ladies come from all over the world. And each one is a powerhouse in their own right. And I always feel like almost pinching myself. Like, how did I get here? How am I in touch with such holy women? And when we start going around and introducing ourselves, everyone says the same thing. I don't know what I'm doing here. I really shouldn't be here with such hashava women, such important women. And at a certain point, I said, guys, can we just all stop? <laughs> can we just stop? We're all here. We're supposed to be here. <laughs> now let's learn from each other. It holds us back. Why yeah. do we want so badly to be someone that we're not or someone else? Hashem doesn't want that of us. He just wants us to be ourselves. So what a huge thing. You're at the top of the mountain and you're embracing yourself and you're saying, I am here and that's all I need. I am me. I am here. I'm showing up. And now I'm going to change the world in the way that I can. Yeah. I mean, look, I want to keep it real and tell you that if I could have chosen, I would not have experienced the pain that I experienced in these last several years. But I do like this version of myself a whole lot better than I like the person that I was five years ago. So then why wouldn't you go back and do it the way that it came out? It was so painful that there was such collateral damage as a result of this experience. It's the second dagger effect, right? Like the first dagger was I felt all these feelings. I need to process them. But the second dagger was all 
the destruction I created around it. All the times that I gave myself a hard time, beat myself up, hid from plain sight from people, pulled away from really important relationships that I still feel the effects of today. Like my best friend, I pulled away from her and thank God she's still in my life. But like there are things that there was damage. Yeah, there was damage. I see it like almost like a caterpillar that's like inching its way forward and and taking a step back and then moving a little forward. Like that's how a caterpillar kind of moves, you know, that like back and forth. And then and then putting itself in a cocoon, which is what you did to protect yourself during that time and pulling back from things. And then I'm watching you, Rachel, and you are the most beautiful butterfly. You've like emerged. It's just beautiful to see the process. Like it's not over yet. We could stop in the middle and say, this is so bleak. This is so scary what am I doing here? But when we hold through and thank God we do have faith and we do have people that we can lean on, like we are blessed to have our Jewish wisdom and, and mentors in our lives and all of that. And sometimes, as you said, you had to walk that path alone. You were never truly alone, right? Because you have a higher power. A hundred percent. But I still remember calling a mentor who I held in high regard and told her I was going through this stuff. And she was like, Rachel, you're not an emotionally complicated person. Have some chocolate. You'll be fine. (laughs) Oh, if only, if only. (laughs) It was so well-intentioned and well-meaning. And it was like the most toxic thing that I heard, you know, and it was my experience of that conversation, obviously too. But I do feel like a butterfly. I do feel like I've come into my own and I can acknowledge that it's been a very painful ride and there have been some hits and that's part of it too. And that's the difference between me being in control of everything and me just being in control of what I'm in control of. Wow. I kind of see it as now you're able to understand people and the pain that people come to you with. People that reach out to coaches are usually in a place in their life where they need change. They're so desperate that they're willing to pay any amount of money for someone to walk with them. And you have walked this path on your own. And now you're able to guide people towards the light. And I honestly don't think you'd be as good at what you're doing had you not gone through all these ups and downs that you've been through in the last couple of years. You're right. I mean, I can understand someone else's suffering in a way that I couldn't before. I have the capacity to not judge in a way that I didn't have before. It's definitely expanded my ability to support other people. There's no question about it. So I have a question for you. So let's, let's move on to the next topic that I'm dying to hear about, because this is something that I have not mastered yet. And I don't know if I ever will. I don't know if it's on my bucket list of to do, but I find it incredibly empowering that you took your life's mission and you're using it to make money, to live a life of abundance, to be able to pay your bills and your tuition with grace and and cleaning ladies and whatever you need. You have scaled a business. Whereas in the past, in your previous life, in the nonprofit world, I mean, all of us live paycheck to paycheck. Like none of us have savings. None of us have retirement plans. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'll do it for the rest of my life. And it's not something that I think about. I'm so happy in my work. I'm just one foot in front of the other, but you have taken in your work and you're able to make money. That to me is like, what? Could you just describe that? It's so foreign and I'm almost uncomfortable with it, but the fact that you're doing it, it, like it kind of opens the door. I was incredibly uncomfortable with it. I come from the same world as you where I thought living in a hole in the wall, working 24 hours a day and serving the community was the holiest way to live. And I had to completely shift everything I knew about helping people and transformation and what permission to receive and what God wanted for me in this journey of coaching. And you said earlier, like people come to me desperate. The truth is none of my clients are desperate that are coming to me, but they are willing to pay money. They are willing to invest because what they want is so worth investing in. 
And so I had to have this value that number one, I'm a match for my desires. If you have a desire that you should have something physical in this world, you're a match for that desire. Give yourself permission to have it. And number two, I have permission to see the impact I make in the world in my bank account. And that for me was a huge game changer that I should be able to see the impact I make in the world in my bank account, instead of having this non-congruent situation where I'm living paycheck to paycheck, as you said, and helping other people and hustling to help people. And this is the craziest part. The impact has been far more significant. Why? Because number one, people, they are already invested because they're paying me. They want to milk every single moment together that we have. That never happened when I was working in the nonprofit sector. People weren't paying for the pleasure of my company. They might've come over for a meal and we would have important deep conversations, but the transformation of someone saying, I'm giving you thousands of dollars so you can help me create this result. That's far more fertile ground for transformation. And the second part of this is when I was working in the nonprofit world, I wanted their lives better. I wanted them to have a great marriage. I wanted them to have a great relationship with God. In this work, I don't come in with anything. I ask them what it is that they want. It's about them, what they desire. And that's what I want to support. Obviously with an integrity of my own values, but that's what I want to support. It makes it much more clear so that, so the transformation and the abundance is just much more impactful on both sides. So what is the main difference between the work that you used to do? Like if you were coaching someone one-on-one in your past career, working for a nonprofit, now What's the shift? Is it a total different approach? Yes, I draw on certain intuitive skills I have, empathy, desire to help people. Those things have stayed the same. Right. So your but- life experience. I mean, I, I feel like that's what makes a coach someone that is considered to be like a great coach. It's who they are. They're bringing themselves to the table. Funny though, I don't hire my own coach based on experience. And I don't think that my people hire me based on that either, even though you would think that. People want to know two things. Do you understand me? Can you help me? That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's not about you and how much experience you have. I mean, the question is, can you help this person? Do you see this person? And that doesn't require anything but the ability to listen so acutely, so, so well that you hear things the person doesn't hear, that you hear what they say and you hear what they don't say underneath it. That level of listening, I didn't have to bring into my old job. I just did it. It didn't require that of me. The most powerful coaching I now do is the kind where I am the best listener in the world. And that's who I am in that conversation. That's amazing. Is there ever a time that you're coaching someone that you feel like I see this person, but I don't know if I can help this person? I would never propose to help someone who I didn't think I could help. I guess the reason that's not happened to me before is because I can meet someone who's far more successful than me, older, wiser, more abundance, more spiritual, holier, everything. But I know that a brain surgeon cannot operate on himself. Hmm. and that they want something. And what I know deep down inside of me with such a hundred percent fervor is that I can help anyone have whatever they want. I know I can. I believe in the power of having what you want. I believe it's very aligned with my Judaism that a person can have what they want in this world. And I know that I can support that desire and that I believe in that desire with all my heart. Wow. That's amazing. It's really, really powerful. Is this something that you would have thought 10 years ago (laughs) for yourself? Like no way. Right. And now it is so suitable for you. Like it's just such a good fit and still doing your mission of bringing light to the world and bringing transformation and helping people. Like it's so in line. And there was like this teeny little shift and all of a sudden you have found your light, your voice, your way to guide others in the most powerful way possible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why when I saw this woman from five years ago, again, this past weekend, I was like, if I was doing what she was doing, I wouldn't be able to create the transformation I currently create for people. 
so I'm so glad that I'm not doing what she was doing. It was such a huge full circle moment, really, because it was like, I'm not meant to be doing that. I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing and I'm doing it so much better than if I was trying to do something someone else was supposed to be doing. Wow. It reminds me of the system of doing teshuva, of repentance, of coming back to God. It's like, first you verbalize it, you feel it, you verbalize it, you put it out there in the world. But then the final piece is when you're put back in the situation and you choose not to do it. And that's almost what happens when you were put into that situation with this woman. And yeah. you're like, I wouldn't go back there. You know, I like where I'm at. That means you really have moved forward in your life. That's such a cool point. And I think what's interesting about it is it wasn't even like it was a test in that moment. I had created myself into someone different than I was. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, Ooh, should I be her? Should I not be her? It wasn't like that. It was just, I'm not that person who I was five years ago. So the same thing that attracted me five years ago doesn't attract me today because I'm different. So that's a really interesting way to put it. One of the models that I've learned from one of my life coaches was this idea of, it's called the hero's journey. Have you ever Mm -hmm. learned it or studied it? Yeah, it's very powerful. So there's like, I think seven steps to it. And the final step, it's called 3D transformation. If you go through the process and you leave, there's like the leaving and the sitting in the pain and the kingdom of darkness and there's all these steps and then you have to find your helpers and your shadow and you need to like get your stuff together and it's painful. And then finally, finally, there's the test, which is actually putting your money where your mouth is, doing what you know you have to do. You're calling. It's calling you. And then comes the transformation and the prize. We talk in the hero's journey. We talk about how there are many prizes along the way. We don't just look for the prize at the end. There's no such thing as the prize, right? Because we might never get there. But every step along the way, along the journey, there are prizes. There is beauty. There are gifts. And then the final step, the 3D transformation is when, when everything around you changes. All your relationships are now more authentic. You are now able to be you and show up in every area and how it impacts. I mean, I'm looking at you, it's impacting your bank account, your marriage, your community, your family, your friends, your clients, right? The transformation that you do has ripple effects very, very far reaching on everyone around you. So that's kind of what it's been like to watch you. I'm so proud of you. I'm just like, ah, if I could just say that. Anyone who's listening to you wants to be on a hero's journey of their own. It's a great thing to ask oneself, like, am I on a hero's journey? And I think if you feel like you're keeping yourself in a place of discomfort, of constantly growing and being a growth mindset, then you're on a hero's journey of your own. Mm. What I do when I'm feeling afraid or scared or I don't know, just a little shaken and life, life knocks you to your feet. I always ask myself when I'm feeling really weak, well, Eve, what would a hero do? And I tell myself, and now do that. (laughs) So we're not always feeling like the hero or the heroine in our own journeys, but at least we could, we could hold on to that ray that there are heroes out there that we could look up to. And even if we're not feeling so strong like that, what would they do? And that's also something in my own work with, with helping people, it's very easy for me to give advice to someone else. But when I'm struggling, sometimes I have to ask myself, if someone was struggling with this, what would I tell them? And that's usually where good answers come up. It's really easy to give answers for everyone else, but yourself. Yeah. And the best hero for you to look up to isn't someone outside of you. It's the future version of you. So maybe I feel horrible now today, but what would the person in two years who's had an extraordinary two years, what would she want me to be doing right now? I love that. Rachel, do you want to close with any teaching, any story, anything you want to just share? The gut reaction I have to that question is that everyone should just understand that any access they have to outside help gurus, mentors, leaders is not as an ends in itself, but it, a means to connecting to their own power and the reason they were put in this world and the way that they know inside of them that they were meant for more. 
and they know that they could have more and be more. And so they should just follow that voice and it takes them to someone outside of themselves. That's great. That's a vehicle to get back into their own power in that space of self-love and empowerment. What you left us with is so, so powerful. And I'm just thinking about this right now because we need someone to hold our hand in life. <laughs> and it's a hard process to figuring out who you are. The Hebrew word for soul mission, soul purpose is yiud, right? Your soul's mission. Part of our mission in this world is to figure out what that is. <laughs> and we're not born into this world with like a little tag saying, you know, intellectual or athletic, or it doesn't tell us what we're supposed to be doing here. The journey is to figure it out. And at every point in the journey, along the journey, we need to reevaluate. We've changed. Our situation might change. Everything changes. The only thing that we could rely on is change. It's always happening to us and around us. And we always have to ask ourselves, where am I going right now? And to have someone in your life that could guide you is a great gift. Rachel, how could people find you? What's the best way to find you? My website's thiswaytoeden.com. Okay. Also, anyone who wants to WhatsApp me, you have my phone number. You can give to anyone who you want. I always welcome a phone conversation with anybody who needs support or who wants support. And um, I'm just very grateful to you for sitting with me today and letting me talk to you. And there's nothing more magical than having a conversation with another human being. And I'm living proof of that. And I've just really enjoyed today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And I'm highly, highly recommending anyone to work with you. It's a dream of mine to work with you one day. I, I know that that day will come. <laughs> You've really been there for me and you, you keep on reaching out. And it's it's really tremendous to have a peer, a colleague like you in this world. We don't have to feel so alone. There's lots of women that will hold us up and straighten our crown. And you're definitely one of those women in my life. So thank you. Take care. Thank you everyone for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great inspired day.